I would define myself as a hopeful optimist, for sure, who is living a soulful journey and, and enjoying the process and trying to learn as much and share as much as I can of myself and of what I'm doing and try to help enhance others' lives along the way. Welcome to Embracing the Journey, Living Beyond Limits. Today we delve into a small part of Kasia Dietz's story, a visionary who traded the confines of corporate America for a life of boundless exploration and creativity. Drawing inspiration from the vivid storytelling of her father and the vibrant artistry of her mother, Kasia embarked on a soul-stirring journey traversing the globe, seeing 32 countries in 13 months, collecting moments and experiences that would shape her unique perspective. From the bustling streets of New York to the enchanting alleys of Paris, her travels kindled a passion within, compelling her to break free from the ordinary and craft her own path, guided by cultural discovery and self-expression, along with the fierce curiosity to see the world differently. Join us as we explore what is capable through courage and determination, celebrating the optimistic character of Kasia Dietz, a true embodiment of living beyond limits. Enjoy. Kasia, thank you very much for joining me on uh, this episode of my podcast. It's a real honor to have you with us today. I'm looking forward to exploring a lot of your journey, a lot of travel, uh, a lot of design, a lot of, a lot of experiences that, you, that uh, you've had that you can share with us. The one thing I wanted to start with, I read an article recently about you taking a, a year off from your initial career in, in advertising. Uh, and then I learned that you traveled 32 countries in 13 months, I believe. I was interested in what sparked that travel. What was the inspiration behind that? Why did you take that break uh, from your career? And what did that lead into? Um, so thank you, Lee, for having me on your podcast. I'm honored to share my story with you. Um, <clears throat> so what led me to take that sabbatical at a later stage of life, I guess, than most people do it right after university or even before university. I did it uh, after working for 10 years in corporate America. I started feeling like days, weeks, years were repeating themselves. And it was this endless cycle where things just all felt the same. And I didn't feel any personal growth. Um, you know, I had everything. I had a great job in advertising in New York City. I had lots of great friends. I had my own apartment that I had purchased um, years prior to this. And, um, you know, I had family not too far away. So I really had everything that you thought you needed for like the, the happy formula of life. And I just felt empty. I felt like there was um, something missing on a personal level and I didn't know what it was. And um, relationships weren't working out that well. I mean, I was dating, but it wasn't, uh, there was no, there was not a big love connection at that time of my life. And I said, you know, why should I um, rely on someone else for, for my joy and my happiness? Let me put it in my hands. And that's really what uh, promoted me or provoked me to drop everything, basically quit my job. Um, pack up my apartments, <laughs> pack up one bag and travel for a year. It was really initially one year, which ended up being 13 months because uh, I was tempting to just stay a little longer. <laughs> and you're absolutely correct. I did 32 countries in 13 months. Um, so it's, I, I look back now and I think, wow, 
did I really do that? You know, like it doesn't seem real sometimes. What was the key highlight of that 13 months? Was there a specific <laughs> country that stands out that really <laughs> made you think, you know, th this was definitely the, the right choice at this time in my, my career and my life? Um, well, there were so many places that I had not been in my life. And as you know, as you know, living in America and working in, in a corporate environment, you don't get a lot of time off. So I had two weeks of holiday a year. Um, I really had to fight for any more time off. And I'd often spend that time visiting my family in Poland. Or once in a while, I'd go and travel somewhere or take a long weekend, but I really didn't have the time to explore the world, which was always one of my big dreams. And I hadn't really done it too much after I finished university. I got right into working, um, finishing school. I, I moved right to New York City and started working. So I thought, okay, you know, this is the time. This is it. I'm going to do this. And the highlights, I mean, there were so many. I had never been to, I had been to Buenos Aires, to Argentina, but I had never been to Brazil. I had never been to Colombia. You know, I had gone to Peru. I had gone to Chile. I had, I spent, I think it was a little bit over three months in South America. Um, I had never been to Australia and New Zealand. I had never been to Southeast Asia or Asia at all. So it was just, you know, so eye-opening on many levels. And it's difficult to say what was my favorite. I, I have places that I would love to return to. India was probably one of those that left a great impression on me for several reasons, just for the diversity in the country, the vibrance of the country, of the people. Uh, I had friends there, so I got a real inside experience. I actually had friends in some of the places which created more of like a local experience and an insider look into the cultures because I had people who are really living there, either from there or giving me an insider's view and showing me things that, you know, most travelers wouldn't get to see. So India was an example of that. And I just, I fell in love with um, so much about India, really. It's, it's a tough place. But it's an amazing place. It's just a really, and it's hard to even describe it. It's just so alive in so many ways. And it leads to a lot. So you traveled the world effectively. It was South America, Australia, Asia, and Europe as well. I'm assuming somewhere in there. You said you had family from Poland. Your family was yeah. Polish. Yeah. So I grew up with a Polish mother and an American father. Uh, my parents met in London and my dad took my mom to America. So I, you know, I grew up in with this bicultural upbringing, speaking Polish with my mom, being raised bilingually, which I think really opened my eyes and opened my mind to different cultures and to seeing the world differently because I, I understood that my mom came from somewhere else and that like piqued my curiosity from a very young age. And I started going to Poland even at the age of two. So I was very young and we'd go for the whole summer every few years. So we had about 20 cousins there that we would spend time with. And my brother and I would, you know, really feel at home there because we had our aunts and uncles. So we grew up with this, these family members of ours. So I think that really helped uh, provoke my love of travel and culture and just acceptance of different people 
And it also was quite shocking because I grew up in New York, in the Hamptons, which is a very wealthy area of America and a very privileged part of the world as well. And then I would go to Poland, which was communist at the time. And I would see how little they had, these cousins that were, you know, just like me. How they didn't know what bananas were. They didn't have, uh, you know, you had to wait on lines for bread and butter. I mean, you didn't have access to so much. And my young eyes at, you know, eight, nine years old, I would see this and I thought, this isn't like, this isn't normal. I mean, normal sort of isn't the right word, but I just started thinking like, wow, life is so different for everyone. You know, like our experiences are so unique and it made me appreciate what I had so much more because my mom took a risk in life and she is the only one of her seven, there were seven siblings who left Poland and ended up having um, a very different life. So I sort of, you know, looked at my mom as like, a role model, I guess, and said, wow, you really can create your own path in life. And it doesn't need to be dictated. You know, your life doesn't need to be dictated. Like the, the way you grow up and even your, your parents, they don't have to um, define what your life is going to be. You can define it. Like it's really up to you. And that's something that I took away a lot with um, growing up in my house that I didn't have this typical um, white picket fence, you know, with the parents kicking football around. Yeah. Um, because my dad was a, a writer and an intellectual and a bit older. So I grew up with, um, you know, in a, in a lovely, loving home, but not with the typical American dream, I guess, which right. I, I embrace that now even, you know, I think that's what made me who I am. So the curiosity to, to travel was peaked very early on, right? So you said at two years old, you were already going to Poland. So the comfort level for travel was probably already there before. During that 13 months, did you have any idea on what was next or was, was there a plan or did you just go into this with open eyes and that curiosity to learn more about yourself and other cultures? Um, I honestly did not know what was waiting for me after this, you know, global expedition, let's say. Um, I, you know, I thought maybe I'll meet someone, maybe I'll decide to stay somewhere in, an, in another country or in another city. Maybe I will, maybe something will draw me somewhere else. Um, I really didn't know. I suspected that I would probably return to New York. I didn't know how I would feel about that. So eventually I did make it back to New York, but I had, I first spent a little longer time in Mexico and from Mexico, I went to Florida to see my mom for Christmas. And, um, I have to share that. I kept thinking even those last few weeks of my trip, like, okay, like, what have I learned? Like, what has this given me? Like, what has changed? Like, how have I changed and what has changed in my life due to this really long break that I took in this, you know, world trip. And I kept trying to like understand what it was. And then one day, you know, I was, I was in a shopping mall in America, you know, we love our shopping malls. <laughs> I was in a shopping mall with my mom and it just, it, I had this revelation and it just, it occurred to me, wow. Like I just did something incredible that took a lot of courage that took a lot of organization. Obviously it took, you know, financial uh, planning, which I did a lot of before leaving. 
Um, and I said, you know, Kasha, this is pretty amazing what you did. And from that moment, and I remember it was just like really a moment that happened to me within me that I said, there's nothing I can't achieve. Like I, I'm, you know, we're capable of so much in this life and yet we don't often realize that. And sometimes it takes a big risk or it takes to step out of yourself and out of your routine and out of what is comfortable to you to realize that. And that's what I personally needed to do for myself. I needed to, to live a really different experience and challenge myself on many different levels in order to see um, what I was capable of. And, and then I, you know, I moved back to New York City. I actually saw the city in a different light. I started enjoying the city after being in shock a little bit, like, wow, I'm back, but I'm not the same person anymore. But the city hasn't changed. And I'd go on interviews for work for my, my career, which was as a print producer at the time. And I'd go on interviews um, with this different feeling of confidence that I didn't have before. You know, I was always like, oh, I hope they like me. I hope they, you know, I'm skilled enough. I hope that they, you know, they hire me for this job. And, and then I went in like, you know what? Like, I just experienced something so profound and incredible on a personal level and on a soulful level that, you know, there's no reason they wouldn't want me. Is it, is it, do I want them? Like, am I going to want this job? You know, and I even remember uh, biking to the beach on Monday mornings and saying, yeah, I can interview either Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning because I'm, you know, I had my, my, uh, <laughs> before I got a job, I really enjoyed um, weekends at home visiting family and I would take the bike to the beach in the morning and then jump on the train back to the city. So I really started putting my life first and putting myself first, which is not something I did before. I just, I think I, I, I felt this, this, um, you know, a lot of competition in New York and am I going to, you know, am I good enough? This whole feeling of, am I good enough? And am I going to, to, you know, achieve something? And am I going to, you know, get whatever it was that I was, that I was looking for, you know, that I was, um, working towards at that moment. And then my, my whole perception changed. I said, you know, um, is this good for me? Do I want this? And I know I'm, I'm capable of it. I know I've worked for over 10 years in this industry and I know I can do it. And I mean, it was, it was amazing because at the boss, my, my future boss who was interviewing me was more interested to hear about my travels than the experience I had working that she right. knew I could do the job, you know, and I knew it. And I, and I guess I projected that too, that I was confident without being conceited about it. I was very, you know, like uh, natural and, and I was completely myself without being um, arrogant, I guess you could say. And she was like, wow, you left and went to travel? Like, that's amazing. How did, like, how did you do that? And how did you get the courage? And, uh, and so we ended up speaking about travels and my experiences traveling, which I put on the resume because, of course, I had to like mark what I had done for that year, missing year. Um, and I think I called it a cultural expedition, actually. <laughs> and um, so, you know, and I got the job. And I, you know, I never had a problem with work after that. Like, I mean, I got you know, this was one of the best jobs I got. And I, it was actually a full-time freelance job because I did not want a full-time job anymore. I wanted my freedom. I wanted still to be able to go away for a few days without um, compromising my job or being told I couldn't go because I only had the two weeks holiday. So I, I really, um, I excelled at work. 
uh, after returning to New York and and I didn't think so much about okay like what's next I just I felt this peace within myself I felt this confidence and peace that, that came over me that said you know what Kasha like whatever is next it's okay like you can you can handle it and you know something beautiful is coming because you just experience something so so wonderful and, and enriching you know my travels were really the, one of the most enriching experiences of my life I, I learned more than I can even like you know share with you in this in our episode <laughs> meet Cashy Beats the embodiment of unwavering courage and resilience in a world that often dims the light within us one woman's journey is lighting the way for us all in our latest podcast, she shares a remarkable tale of turning dreams into reality, reminding us that embracing risks can lead to extraordinary possibilities. Curiosity, the spark that ignites our souls, takes center stage in this awe-inspiring conversation. Discover the transformative power of Kasha's story and unlock your own journey of self-discovery with Ray's mindset. How important do you feel it is in terms of gaining that self-belief and gaining that uh, sense of personal growth that taking control of your actions plays into it. Did you feel in control throughout that expedition across the world that you had full control over what's next? Um, I mean, it definitely, a trip that, like I took is very challenging. It's, it's exciting, exhilarating, um, challenging. It can, it's difficult. It can be draining. It can be exhausting. It can be, I mean, there's so many things that go on on a, a trip to that extent, like after six months, I have to say, you start feeling tired even. You feel like, oh, wow, I have to keep moving. And like, sure, you have this adrenaline and this excitement to see a new place, but it also gets a little bit difficult to continue saying goodbye to people you've met and to move on and to pack up and all of that. And your your journey is really in your hands. I mean, do you want to go straight? Do you want to go left or right? You know, like sometimes I'd meet someone who would change the path of my journey. They would change the my route because they'd say, oh, you know, we went to this place and it was so fascinating and nobody really talks about it, but I think you should check it out. And I, you know, and that, that meant more to me than reading a guidebook or an article online um, because I've always appreciated one-to-one contact and and I feel like we learn so much from other people much more than we learn from you know reading an article or researching in a in you know an older edition of a guidebook or something I mean you you learn so much from people and I traveled for the six first six months of this trip I was with a friend um, and the second part of the trip I was on my own so you know we had to make decisions together and it was really up to us like every single thing you do is is you know in your control like there's nobody saying okay now now time to leave go here eat at this restaurant or go and and uh, discover this museum there's no one dictating your life and I think one of the reasons I moved to New York um, when I was 23 after university is that I like the idea of sort of being out into out in the world and being on my own and being in control of my own life you know versus having stayed home in um, my lovely village where I grew up, my town, or moving to some smaller place, I like the idea of everything is possible. You know, like you could walk down any street and who knows what would happen, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, 
New York is a crazy place like that. You could meet someone who could offer you a job, you know. I mean, I met my husband walking down the street. It's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> who do you think has had the most influence on your outlook, your values, and your direction, and, and how your life is, is kind of directed? Um, I think, you know, as I mentioned already, I think uh, my mom and dad, they were always sort of unofficial mentors for me because my dad was a writer and I admired his work ethic and his passion for his work. And he was really led by his soul, as was my mom. And they had a very uh, serendipitous meeting in London, married in three months. You know, it was really uh, quite a, a love story back in the 70s. That I thought this could never happen again, like something like this. And then I, you know, everyone has their own story to learn. We just have to be patient and open to it. But I think that, you know, growing up with my parents and them being who they were and who, you know, my mom is, is still, um, I'm very close with my mom. My father passed away when I was younger. It taught me a lot of how you create your destiny. Like it's not dictated by anything else. There are no rules. You know, both my mom and dad found their way. My mom is an immigrant. She arrived to America without anything, you know, with my dad, of course, but she didn't have um, experience in, you know, in working. She studied uh, art restoration. I mean, she, you know, she didn't speak the language as well as she needed to at the time. So, you know, just watching them uh, create this beautiful life for us. And it wasn't a fancy life. It was a simple life, but a beautiful life. And a full life. And that's the point, you know, I, along my travels, I met several people who impacted me in a similar way. Like one was a driver in Bali, you know, this man named Mudarta, who just happened to be our driver. And in Bali, if you go to Bali, you need a driver to get anywhere unless you get a scooter, which is not something I was planning to do. And, um, the, the sweetest, kindest man. And they're just such simple, nice people. And, you know, he, he didn't have a lot, like he just was happy and like pure, you know, it wasn't all about how much can you accumulate in this life and how much can you show that you achieved and how many, um, awards and how many cars or watches or bags or whatever it is that people, you know, like to prove their worth with or their success with. It wasn't about that. It was about purity and just, um, happiness like a, like a real deep happiness in your in your soul on a soulful level and uh looking back on my life now i think new york drove me very much on an ego level and paris drives me a lot on a soulful level and i think that's something about paris that i appreciate the most and the work that i'm doing in paris the life that i have in paris it's something that i directed myself like i orchestrated it it wasn't any pressure by society or by my family or by educators or anyone else. It was something that I decided was the best for me. And I chose this path on my own. And I create basically. I carved it basically out of nothing. I heard something last week, uh, quite a cliche, but there's a quote like, happiness is momentary, but joy is everlasting in terms of 
happiness can come and go. And I think you said earlier on is you had the perfect life from the outside looking in, right? In terms of your own apartment in New York, successful career, but there was no, no necessary purpose or joy to the day-to-day life that you live in. So finding that purpose for yourself. And I guess finding people that inspire you and share that joy is also important to, do you find that that really hones in on the message that finding joy in what you do on a day-to-day life is, is the most important thing for us to follow our passion and to follow our, our journey in the direction it's intended to go? I mean, I think, you know, like you said, happiness is, is not something that you live in a state of, like we don't live in happiness or in sadness or in an emotion, but, um, you know, we can be joyful. We can be filled with joy. What I really focus on and I, um, I share with others, you know, in, in deeper conversations, I say, what is it that fulfills you? Like, I feel like fulfillment is something that should be looked at more than happiness because happiness, you know, you have moments of happiness, you have things that make us happy or that can bring us, you know, joy and happiness. But like at the end of the day, when you're, you know, going to sleep, are you feeling fulfilled with your day and your life and your path? And I guess in New York, I wasn't like, there wasn't anything, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like, oh, wow. Like I, I've done something where I feel like I'll leave something behind me in this life that is, that is of any importance, you know? And I mean, that's a whole, you know, that's a tricky statement because I mean, in the end, like there's different levels of that in everything we do, but I think I wasn't fulfilled personally. Like I wasn't, um, I, I knew I wasn't doing what I was capable of. Like I knew I was capable of more. I didn't know what that was. And I think I needed to sort of leave everything behind and have a whole new perspective of life by just being away from my life. You have a variety of things that you work on, right? So you design, you travel, you write. What was the light bulb moment that led you to working in those areas where you're finding the most joy in your personal life and career right now? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't really think I knew what it was that would bring me joy and fulfillment. It was more about listening to, you know, the the little voice in my head that said, I really want to do this. I want to try this. Let's try Let's, you know, let's, let's do this without the thought of failure because failure is often preventing us from doing the things that we want to do in life. It's fear of failure. I mean, that's like the number one reason we often don't take risks. Um, and it, you know, I wasn't sure what that was. I'd come up with other ideas and I, and I wasn't able to get a job in my field, which I did look because I thought, okay, well, while I'm fi- finding my path, let me hop back into work and work for a, a global company as a print producer. Can't be that hard. I come from New York, right? And it wasn't that easy. <laughs> it was actually quite hard because it was also 2009. It was the recession. French companies at the time were not as open to having a very eager and positive American from New York coming into their agency. Uh, they just, it wasn't so easy, let's say. So I wasn't able to get back into my line of work. So I started a blog just to share thoughts about life as an expat, you know, different experiences I had in Paris, different trips my husband and I were taking, or at the time, boyfriend or fiance. 
you know, we traveled quite a bit, like just around the country, even just weekends here and there. So I'm like, oh, let me share this. At least, you know, my mom will read it if nobody else. And I had kept a blog during my my 13 months of traveling. That was my first blogging experience, actually. And I didn't have a phone. So I still am in shock when I think about that. I did not have an iPhone. I did not even have like a little little phone to contact anyone. I'd get one once in a while if I was somewhere long enough. But I didn't have any other form of communication just on my blog. I started blogging when I arrived to Paris and I started designing bags because that was something that I was always passionate about, creating wearable art. So I did that and I really started from zero, from buying a sewing machine, making samples, you know, to finding a manufacturer. And that quite, you know, that took off, like ad girl from New York becomes bag designer in Paris, like, you know, headlines, really exciting. And then the, while I was designing the bags, I kept up with the blog. And then I started writing for other people and, and realizing, wow, this is really fun. And like, I love writing. I love sharing my thoughts. At first, it was quite nerve wracking because I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be forever, like somewhere, you know, going to live on like a website somewhere. And I think my blog helped me to find my voice and to give me the confidence as a writer um, to share what was on my mind and to share different experiences I was having. So I started writing for other blogs and then I started reaching out to smaller websites and it really resonated with me. Like it just felt good. You know, when something feels good, do it, do more of it. That's my, that's how I look at life. You know, if it feels really good and it's, bringing you in a positive direction too. Obviously nothing, you know, I want to do something bad for you. And so that's, you know, I started feeling really fulfilled, sharing thoughts and then, uh, and then reaching out to editors. I mean, it just, it, it began very organically. It all started just, you know, little by little. And as I, I gained the confidence as a writer, and I think my fearless approach to life, which already was even back in New York, I, I always had this like, well, why not? Let's try. You know, I always had that sort of attitude about life. Like, if you don't try, you're never going to know, you know? So that just what is what led me. And I started realizing, wow, this is so fulfilling. Like, I love it. I really love the, the exercise of pitching the, you know, even the rejections, like even just the, the contact with editors and getting assignments and being able to how can I say, like when I write, I sort of am trying to also share or trying to inspire rather, that's the word, inspire people to get out there into the world, to travel, to experience something they haven't before. Like this is one of the reasons, you know, when you think about what you love in life, like you also have to think about like, what does it bring you? Like this brings me a fulfillment that I'm getting people out of their element to go out into the world or to go to the next village even and go see what's happening around the corner. You know, you don't have to get on a plane or a train even. And getting to write about small designers, getting to write about restaurants that maybe have just opened that and aren't getting any attention to help promote people. You really get like an inside experience and that's, that's what also drives me, I guess, because I love the stories and I love being told stories and telling the story. What do you think is a determining force in terms of breaking fear of failure and making the decision to take the risk. What have you seen in people from all over the world that separates those from the ones that are willing to take the risk and those that are overcome with that 
value and stay in that comfort zone and don't look to take the risk and challenge themselves. I think the main ingredient in, for, in my opinion, is confidence. Is the more confident you are with yourself and the more you feel at ease with yourself, the more you'll go and, and take risks and challenge yourself and go approach life fearlessly. The more wrapped in insecurity you are, the less you're going to do that because you're just going to think like you don't even, you know, you, you think on such a self basis, like I can't do it. Like I, I'm not good enough. Like you have this voice in your mind saying like, who will listen to me? Who will take me seriously? Like, you know, there's people who are much better. Why should I, what, what, who am I, you know? Like, I really think confidence is the key in so much of what we do in life. In a world where self-doubt often clouds our vision, Kasia's remarkable journey shines a light of self-confidence and perseverance. The story echoes a triumph of believing in oneself even when the world whispers doubt. Amidst the chaos, she teaches the virtue of patience and the art of finding joy in life's simple pleasures. Kasia's tale is a powerful reminder that true success is not defined by accolades, but by embracing the beauty of every passing moment. Embrace the spirit of self-belief and find solace in life's little wonders. Visit raisemindset.org today and start your journey towards inner strength and fulfillment. He said Paris tapped into your soulful way of, of, of living and your, that part of your personality and character. How, how do the experiences of living in New York and Paris, how do they compare, contrast, and how, how do they influence your design work, your writing work, and, and you teach as well, right? So I think New York was one of the best schools that I attended. If you could seize it as a, a school, it taught me a lot and it taught me strength and resilience and sort of fearlessness, like I mentioned, to be able to survive in New York for so long. You sort of need that, thatness and that like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, go out there and like do this, whatever it is I'm going to do. <laughs> So I think that the New York background really helped me a lot in Paris. I don't know that without that, I would have managed as well or managed, you know, Paris is not as friendly. It's not as open. I mean, now it's changed quite a bit. I've been here 14 years, but it wasn't as open and inviting as it is now. It really pushed me because there are many moments where I'm like, oh, this is just too hard. You know, like, what am I, what am I doing here? Like, who am I? I mean, as an expat, you arrive to a new country and you have to redefine yourself. Like you have no definition. You know, there's, there, it's like a blank space. You have to rewrite it. And that was my big quest. Like, what am I writing? Who am I? Who am I becoming in this new chapter of my life? Um, so New York definitely helped and, you know, finding my place and sort of reinventing myself. And I have to say not finding a job was probably what helped me the most because it forced me to find something else to do, to find another definition for myself and follow what it is that drives me, that continues to drive me. Like every step along our journey brings us to where we need to be. This is what I believe. And you can't dismiss any of it. You know, you need to like get through it. And sometimes the harder the struggle, the more you feel rewarded once you arrive to that next step, you know, to the next chapter. If someone was asking what Cassia Dietz 
was defined as, what would you say? Um, good question. <laughs> Whoa. There's some words that keep popping up, so I'm curious what that definition well, is. Well, you know what I, I sometimes in, in moments of doubt, which we all have, even including myself, not so much anymore, but I, you know, once in a while, I think, okay, Kasha, if you read about yourself in a magazine or a newspaper, how would you feel about that person? Like, this is sort of how I look at life. And I even say this to some of my friends who are, who are having difficult moments. I say, look at what you've achieved. Don't look at what you haven't achieved and what you could achieve in the future. Look at what we've achieved already. Like, look at what is, you know? And, um, I would define myself as a hopeful optimist for sure, who is living a soulful journey and, and enjoying the process and, and trying to learn as much and share as much as I can of myself and of what I'm doing and try to help or you know enhance others' lives along the way because that's what it's about. It's about community. You know, it's not about living this for ourselves. Something that I read from you in the previous one was talking about challenges being part and parcel of bringing your own vision to life rather than living in that of somebody else's. So how important do you believe it is in enjoying the process, no matter how difficult it becomes? You know, I do wish that if I look back at my 20s, I wish that I enjoyed where I was more then, knowing that things were going to change and life would evolve you know I, I mean in the 20s you think like oh what if I mean I don't know this was me I worried like what if I you know never find what it is that I love to do or what if I never find someone to share life with or what if I never leave New York you know and get stuck here forever um, I wish I just enjoyed the process more in the journey and worried less what's your feelings on how important going through the experience and then meeting all these different people to shape and, and prime those experiences for you? Um, I think that it's very difficult, like what you said earlier, to relax and let it be at that young age and the lack of experience that we have in our 20s, usually. I mean, depending on, you know, all of us are different. What I tell young people when I speak with them, I say, look, you know, nothing is ever a waste of time or a waste of your energy. And life continues to change and evolve and time goes on, you know, and I didn't have the, uh, the life experiences. You know, I tell people, I say it with a grain of salt, like, okay, live your own life, enjoy it. But remember, it flows the way it's meant to flow. Like I was supposed to be where I am at this stage, like I wasn't meant to be doing what I'm doing now in New York. And perhaps I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now had I not experienced what I did in New York. There's a method to the madness, let's say, you know, and this is something I think we need to keep in mind when we're going through struggles and we're going through really low periods that it will get better, you know, like there's a crazy rainstorm and then the sun will come out and then it'll rain again. Like we know that Things are always in flux and things are always changing. So try to embrace whatever it is with the knowing that things will continue, that life will continue moving forward, you know, and 
every day of our lives, we learn, we grow, we evolve. I mean, this is the, the beauty of life is to evolve. And when you stop evolving, that's, you know, when you're not really growing and learning anymore. And I think that hopeful optimism that you spoke about earlier is, is really important in building that confidence that no matter what the challenge you face, that there's something that can um, build out of that. Um, yeah. And I think the, the interesting thing for me is that your mom and dad met in London and got married three months later, I think. Three months later, I think you said. And then you and your husband met in Paris. And was that five five months later that you got engaged? We met in New York. Met in New York when you wasn't expecting to, correct? Well, I met my, you know, I there was a small part of me or maybe a larger part of me that thought I would find love on, you know, on my travels. And then it occurred to me at the end when I was already back in New York that I wasn't meant to. It was meant to be something for me, you know, and and that's the beauty of my journey is that it was for me. It wasn't about anyone else. Right. It was about myself. And that's, the, you know, the enriching what I, what I gained from my trip. It was for me. And about a year and a half after I got back to New York, I was just, you know, working, working in this great company, living my life heading to my yoga class and that's when I met my husband on Prince Street in New York City. He was visiting and um, voila. In the whirlwind of external pressures, Kasha's story teaches the invaluable lesson of trusting oneself and looking inward. Amidst society's expectations, she reminds us that embracing life's ebb and flow is the true essence of growth. Remember, every moment is an opportunity, never a waste. Raise Mindset Self-Development Program offers a nurturing network to support you on your journey of self-discovery and personal growth. Take the first step and visit raisemindset.org today. A word that keeps coming up, I feel, is like curiosity. Like that's that's a big part of your path forward is always being curious. You know, was it relatives growing up in Poland with no no bread, you said no but or waiting for bread and butter and being curious about that and how how different societies live, curious about the different cultures around the world. So I think that curiosity for knowledge, curiosity for learning about others plays into that active role of looking for what you, you find the joy in. So it feels like your, your mom and dad play a huge inspiration in the creative part of your life. So, you know, I, I always, um, like I mentioned, I looked up to my parents and I thought they were so fascinating to me, just their story and their lives and how they created their own rules. My two careers are split between my mom and my dad. So I feel like I've, you know, I'm, I'm also living my father's dreams, actually. Let me preface that by saying, I think it was also my father who led me on the journey towards meeting my husband. He's like puppeteered it. You know, he passed away when I was 15, so I didn't have the, unfortunately, enough time to spend with him, to know him on a deeper level. This was a difficult teenage years of, a, of any anyone at 15. And then, you know, he was sick for years before that. So I really believe he puppeteered the meeting with my husband because he would have loved him and chosen him for me. You know, he would have I mean, approved of him or, or really admired him and, and they would have gotten along very well. So I feel like that, like my dad is with me and I even wrote an essay about how much more he's with me 
in death than he was in life, even, you know, like he's very close to me. And his dream was always to be a travel writer. So I am living his dream. I'm, you know, by, by continuing what I love and what my dream was, it also connects to his dream because he drove, drove, he wrote more about politics and uh, a bit of travel as well, but not as much. So that was always something that he strove to do that I'm doing. So the writing part of me is really my father and the designing part of me is really my mother. So when, when I had in the past, if I thought about giving up one, I wouldn't, I I'm not able to because it's the love of both my parents and the inspiration of both of them that drives me in all the work that I'm doing because it connects to them on a very deep level. And the way I started my bags, I took designs of my mom's that she had created when she was pregnant with me, you know, when she was creating t-shirts and other things um, from our house growing up. And so it's, you know, again, not to overuse the word, but it's a very soulful uh, project that I started with the bags and the writing I, I believe my dad like feeds me words sometimes when I don't have them. Like he's there, you know, and he was even there while I was traveling. I said, mom, don't worry. Dad's, you know, with me in a, in a spiritual sense. And my, and my mom's like, oh yes, yes. And I prayed for you every day. <laughs> I said, don't worry. I'm like, okay, between you and dad, I'm good. I'm covered. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think both my parents play a huge role in uh, the courage that I have in this life, how I arrived to to live in Paris where they actually honeymoon when they were after they married in London. And my mom loves coming to visit me here, which is uh, such a joy. My dad was a Francophile and Italophile. The reason I say my dad brought me and my husband together is because my dad spoke Italian, French, like those are the, his countries of his life. I mean, he loved them more than America probably or equally at least. And, you know, my husband's Italian. We go to Italy all the time. I mean, it's, there's so many interesting connections that let's just say like the orchestration of life is, it's really proven itself to show up so much in the way that my mom and dad would have been happy. The way my life has, has unraveled is, is in large part due to the way my parents raised me and their connection with me, you know? I'm curious why maybe design writing, I'm sure, I mean, advertising is probably a little bit of both, right? But not to that degree. Is there any reason why you didn't go into that um, kind of field early on, as opposed to just into maybe account managing, like you said, and into advertising and find this path later on. What was the reason for advertising as opposed to design writing? So I studied marketing in university and um, I studied in London as well. I studied international marketing. So I knew I wanted to be in communications. I did not know at all what I wanted. So advertising appealed to me because there were so many facets to advertising that I could really get, get a hands-on experience in working in, the, in a big company. I did realize that copywriting appealed to me once I was in, but I was afraid. I did not have the confidence. I did not have the courage to pursue it. I did try at one point. I took a class and I thought, oh, I could put a portfolio together. I, it wasn't my time. You know, looking back now, I know that it wasn't my time. It wasn't what was meant for me then. 
I learned so many important and valuable skills working as in print production and working with the creative people that I worked with, you know, managing these big accounts, working with artists. It was a really a thrilling job as well. And I worked independently, which I liked. I, I think I've always been sort of um, an entrepreneurial spirit and I like working on my own, yet with a, you know, with a group of people, but managing things on my own and yeah, no, copywriting was something I always wanted to do. And I actually do a little bit of that even now. I mean, in addition to writing my lifestyle and, and travel writing, I do some copywriting or content writing and uh, tours as well. I do fashion tours when I have time in addition to the workshops. So yeah, I, I do quite a uh, many different things, which I think fits my personality because I'm very, uh, I, I like every day to be a little different. I like stability, but I don't like... Um, um, routine. How's that? Last question. What's the biggest piece of advice um, that you would give to your younger self, to someone else going through that starting part of their journey? I would say be gentle with yourself, you know, be gentle, be understanding with yourself. Don't pressure yourself to figure it out because it takes time. There's not always one right answer. There's rarely ever one right answer. Be patient, be kind. Don't live according to what other people want for you. Live the way you want for you. You know, like think of what is best for yourself. Don't imagine what other people want. It's what you want. You know, it's your happiness is your own. It's tied to yourself, not to other people. If you're happy, other people will feel that and be happy for you. You know, like, Every time I said my, to my mom, I just want you to be proud of me or I want you to be happy. And she's like, if you're happy, I'm happy. Like if I see you, you know, even if you worked in like a restaurant or whatever, you did something else and you didn't even have a career. Like if you're happy, I'm happy. We put so much pressure on ourselves and so much weight on ourselves to figure it out and to succeed and to speed up this journey and get where we need to go and it's you know like take it easy slow down be, be gentle be kind and with yourself but forget what everyone else wants you know like what do we want what is what is the best thing for us like only we know that only we really know what's in our heart and in our soul nobody can tell us that and there you have it powerful journey of trust confidence patience and curiosity illuminated through the inspiring tale of Kasha Dietz. As Kasha aptly puts it, recognizing life's crazy storms and knowing the sun will shine again embodies the resilience within us all. I want to thank Kasha for sharing her transformative story today. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to our podcast so we can continue to bring you more soul-stirring narratives that inspired each of us to embark on our own unique soulful journeys. Together, let's nurture the seeds of optimism and action just as Kasha has shown us how Remember the power to shape our own destinies lies within each of us. Stay tuned for more empowering stories. Until next time, enjoy. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with Embracing the Journey, Living Beyond Limits and get all the behind the scenes content, visit www.raisemindset.org forward slash podcast where you can find links to follow us at all our social media channels and available podcast platforms on Apple, Spotify, and Podbean. Thank you for listening.